welcome Nexus Church family online to our series in the book of Mark that's self-titled. In the series, we're exploring the life of Jesus and applying it to our personal lives. If you have more questions or if you would like to get a hold of us, go to nexuschurchmn.com. You can find all the information on there as well as emailing nexuschurchmn at gmail.com. You can check us out on Facebook, but we'd love to connect with you and help you to connect to Jesus. Enjoy today's message. Welcome back, Nexus Church family, to our series in the book of Mark. If you are just joining with us in this series, we have spent the last, well, year in change going through the book of Mark. Now, we have taken some uh, weeks off as we have uh, taken a look at different aspects of our faith and, and applying maybe some things that uh, are more seasonal or more uh, what's going on in our world. But today we are back in at full swing in chapter 10 in the book of Mark. Now, last time we were together, as we restarted this last week, uh, we took a look at a rich, young ruler. And we found out that he was a good man. He was one of those guys that, goodness gracious, you just looked up to him because he did everything right. However, as with every single person alive, he came to Jesus and he realized that he wasn't good enough to get into the kingdom of God. And the only way, of course, is through Jesus. So we talked about what it means to put our faith in Jesus and the fact that he is the only way to the Father. And now this week, we are digging into a, a passage that is very uh, controversial, honestly, in, in the church world, in the secular world. Uh, wherever you look, uh, this topic is very subjective, meaning it's very determined on what people want it to be. And that is divorce and marriage. What is it and why should we or should we not get divorced? And we're going to be taking a look at that uh, through Jesus himself uh, approaching a bunch of people who were trying to trap him. They were trying to, of course, as they always did when he was alive, they were trying to find ways to get him in trouble so that they could kill him. And this was one of the ways that they did it. They tried to uh, get it to be where he would make a fool of himself and say something that was contrary to the Jewish faith. But, of course, Jesus continues to confound us. But then there's this, this kind of tail end to the passage that we'll also dig in today with, and that's when the disciples were still confused and asked Jesus, well, what, what do you mean? And so we'll take a look at that. So first, let's take a look at Mark chapter 10, and we will read verses 1 through 12, and hopefully, through the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, make everybody come towards an understanding of what God's real intent is in this whole big issue of marriage and divorce. Verse 1 of Mark chapter 10. He set up from there and went to the region of Judea and across the Jordan. Then crowds converged on him again, as was his custom. He taught them again. Now some Pharisees came to test him, and they asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Right? Of course, just as I said, they were trying to test him. Or another way, corner him so that he would get in trouble. 
And he replied to them, What did Moses command you? <laughs> what are the teachings that you follow? You guys know. I going to teach you anything else? <laughs> they responded, Moses permitted us, that's an important word to, to highlight right there, permitted us to write divorce papers and send her away. Now, of course, this was in a different time and different era where women had no legal rights of any kind to divorce, and so this was for the man only in this time. But Jesus told them, this is a very, I think, uh, if you haven't thought of it this way, if you haven't really carefully read it, this can be a very eye-opening moment for you. Listen to this. He told them, he wrote this command for you because of the hardness of your hearts. But from the beginning, okay, so that but is there for a very important reason, right? This is what Moses did for you, but here's what God's original intention was. From the beginning of creation, God made them, made husband and wife, male and female. And for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, and the two will become one flesh. That is God's intent for marriage. We'll come back. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. When they were in the house again, the disciples questioned him about this matter. And he said to them, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. Also, if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. All right, so Moses gave this command out of the hardness of your hearts, or because of the hardness of of your hearts. Now this goes back to Deuteronomy 24.1, which I will read for you. This is where this passage is referring back to. And Moses wrote, if a man marries a woman, I should say he said it, whether or not he wrote it, is another thing. If a man marries a woman, but she becomes displeasing to him because he finds something indecent about her, he may write her a divorce certificate, hand it to her, and send her away from his house. Now, this displeasing to him ended up becoming quite a controversial thing. What qualifies as displeasing? I mean, if you want to go and read commentators for yourself, have at it, have fun. I heard all sorts of things about what qualified as displeasing, from anywhere from burning your toast to something crazy as like sexual immorality, some kind of adultery thing, right? Like anything could have qualified. Well, Pretty much what it came down to is if you didn't like your wife anymore, you could divorce her, is what was going on in these situations, right? And so these disciples came to Jesus and said, what do you say? This is what all of our, our religious elites over the years have said about, about marriage and divorce. What do you say? <laughs> they wanted to know if he sided with them, or if they needed to uh, find a headhunting party, right? And so Jesus responds with two very important uh, thoughts about Moses' statement in Deuteronomy 24. And the first one was, this was Moses' response, right? Jesus makes it clear this was Moses' response, not a directive from God. 
This wasn't a, a law that God told Moses to write down and give to the people. This was a response from Moses to what? <laughs> the hardness of their hearts. Right? I mean, in a way, could you just imagine? Moses continues to get these people coming to him about all of these issues that they're having, right? And if you've been married for any length of time, there's always conflicts. And so you have this massive, huge country now that is constantly bringing you marital issues. And he's like, okay, go do whatever you had. I've had enough of listening to your complaints. If you find something displeasing, write her a certificate and divorce her. Send her away, right? He, in a sense, he had enough. He was doing what was maybe most efficient at the time. I don't know. Maybe we're reading into that a little bit. But the point is, this was Moses' response, not God's directive, and this was out of the hardness of their hearts. They were rebelling against God's original intent, the bottom line, right? Listen to this. From the beginning, Jesus isn't focused on this question that they brought him. He goes back to the original intent of what marriage was. It's not about our pleasure and what we want, and if she's displeasing us, then we can just get rid of her or him or whatever. Right? Jesus goes back and he says, from the beginning, God's original intent was marriage is permanent. God created man and woman. They were unique. They were independent. They were, they were their own creation. Though, of course, man and women were somehow made out of each other. You got that God creating man out of the dust, and then you have the woman coming out of his rib, and then now we have man coming from a woman, and it's all intertwined. But, but truly, until marriage happens, we are our own people created in the image of God. We're unique, one of a kind. There's nobody like you. You are special. But the moment we say, I do, God says in his word that we become one flesh. We are so united you can't tell us apart. We are, we are joined together. We are joined together. Together. And therefore, what God joined together, no one. No one can separate. You see, the religious elite, the Pharisees in this situation, they focused on separation. What, whatever makes me happy, that's what they were focused on. How can we be happy? And Jesus focused on the aspect that, that God created this unity that cannot be separated only death can separate us and then when we enter the presence of god we're all united as one in worshiping our god we are united but then of course we get to the disciples after the fact and and they looked at jesus and they said 
I know that's your original tent, right? I mean, I can hear it in the back of their minds. They're like, we get it. We know that that's your original tent. That's, that's what God intended from the beginning. But we live in a sin-ridden world, Jesus. Like, things aren't the way they were originally. Once sin entered into the world, what you originally created got messed up. Things aren't perfect anymore. People aren't nice anymore. Is there ever a situation, Jesus, where things can be separated? Where, where that bond is broken? And we no longer have to remain connected to that person anymore because it, it's been damaged to the point where that unity is no longer reality. And Jesus doesn't really give a whole lot in Mark's account. But I want to take you back to Matthew's account because Matthew, in the same account, in chapter, uh, let me see here, I want to get the right chapter. Chapter 19, verse 9. This same interaction, Jesus does add in, and, and you can go read it for yourself, it's the same exact thing, but Jesus adds in Matthew's account that except for sexual immorality. So divorce was allowed by Jesus in his interaction with the disciples as they came to him in private and they had this conversation and they were trying to, to get to the, to the details of this because it sounds great on the big screen, right? Like on that, that massive overview of what God originally intended. We know, we know, we know that he doesn't want us to be separated. He doesn't want that divorce. He doesn't want that cut. Because once you cut what he brought together, there's damage that happens. And, and you can never heal that without, of course, a massive move of God himself. And so in Matthew's account, he adds in, except for sexual immorality, what we would call potentially adultery in our day. When somebody's sexually immoral in a marriage, that gives you grounds for separation. That creates a separation that, that can't be fixed. Now Paul also adds in, and we will go to 1 Corinthians 7 in just a second, and we will read verses 10 and 16, but particularly in verse 15, Paul adds that divorce is permissible when an unbelieving spouse seeks divorce. And so for those of you who maybe are married to somebody who isn't a believer and you yourself are, if they are pushing for divorce, that is allowed according to 1 Corinthians 7.15. And then Paul also adds in 1 Corinthians 7.39 and 40 that a death of a spouse gives permission for remarriage. It's a natural death is a divorce of sorts where it cuts that unity, that bond and though it takes a long time for that healing to occur, it does give a person the, the ability to once again remarry because that's a natural divorce that we have no control, right? It's not your choice, right? And so those are the, the three areas that, that we read of in scriptures, and uh, you could go dig in yourself and, and take a look, but those specific areas where God 
allows it, where Jesus himself specifically says sexual immorality, if your spouse is sexually immoral and doing things wrong and, and not according to, to my word, you are allowed to divorce. If a person is, is an unbeliever and they want to be divorced from you, that is allowed. And then, of course, natural death is another way for remarriage or divorce to happen. And so I want to uh, take you to that passage in 1 Corinthians 7, and this is in verses 10 through 16 that I want to specifically focus on in our remainder of our time. Because Paul adds a little bit to this that I think is important for us to catch today. So verse 10, we read, To the married I give this command, not I, but the Lord. <laughs> a wife is not to leave her husband but if she does leave, she must remain unmarried or reconciled to her husband. And a husband is not to divorce his wife, but I, not the Lord, say to the rest, if any brother has an unbelieving wife and she is willing to live with him, he must not divorce her. Also, if any woman is unbelieving, as an unbelieving husband is willing to live with her, she must not divorce her husband. For the unbelieving husband is made whole by the wife, and an unbelieving wife is made whole by the husband. But if the unbeliever leaves, let him leave. A brother or sister is not bound in such case. God has called you to live in peace. I think that's an important part. God has called you to live in peace. And so Paul again, once again, says that if you have an unbelieving spouse who wants to leave, keep it peaceful, follow through, and hopefully maybe your love for them and your non-contentious spirit will eventually come back to help them to change someday. But very important. What I really wanted to get is back in verse 10. To the married I give this command, not I but the Lord, a wife is not to leave her husband, but if she does leave, she must remain unmarried or reconciled to her husband. Now, Paul in this passage indicates something. Now, we've already very clearly stated that only the only things that qualify for divorce, I say this with a lot of cautiousness because I realize there's so much that goes into these considerations. And I know there's a lot of people who are listening who most likely have had a divorce or have been through a hard time deciding whether to stay or not, right? So sexual immorality gives grounds for divorce. Natural death is a natural divorce, and an unbelieving spouse leaving is also a case for divorce. But Paul also indicates here that there is the potential for separation, but one cannot be remarried. And so for those instances where it is very complicated and it's very serious and, and it doesn't qualify for any of those other reasons, Paul gives the ability for separation. Maybe even a semi-permanent separation. But there is never an allowance for remarriage in those situations reconciliation is the key in that situation we are looking for the rest of our lives to be able to reconcile that relationship with that former well current spouse yet but no longer together as a united couple so that's important to understand and so I, I, I realize that there's a lot that goes with this but it all goes back to the original statement Jesus made it's not that God wants separation. He doesn't. 
He understands that we live in a broken world where things happen and separations do happen, but his ultimate desire is for people to come back together because what he brought together, he joined. And he wants everything to flow back to his original tent. That is his desire. He wants a right relationship with us and he wants us to have a right relationship with each other. It's not about what he's against. It's what occurs when we are married. You see, our physical, our emotional, our spiritual union is completed in and by God. He does it. And when he brings it together, it is complete, it is finished, it is good. And when we try to step in and separate that, or when somebody else does that person or we are playing God. And that is not where we are to put our hand in. Now I want to be very careful here and, and once again state that I realize that there's a lot of situations out there where it's, it's hard. It may be some of you listening today, you, you got a divorce and it didn't qualify for one of those three reasons. A death did not occur. And, and that spouse that you left wasn't an unbeliever or had a sexual immorality. You got divorced out of God's intent. I want to tell you today that sin is sin, right? We all make mistakes. We all fall short. And, and us getting a divorce out of out of a reason that doesn't fall in line with God is sin just as much as, as somebody with an anger problem or, or somebody who fails to follow something else that God makes very clear in scriptures, right? We all make mistakes. We live in a fallen world, just as the disciples <laughs> said when they approached Jesus, but we don't live in a perfect world anymore. And we know that's your intent, but things happen. There's forgiveness for that. And that's why we need to go to Jesus and say, I know that's not what you wanted. And I know that that fell short of your standards and I need your forgiveness. He will forgive you. He will forgive you. And number two, something that is not addressed in the Bible that I believe wholeheartedly that is God's heart is if you are in an abusive situation, I tell you as clear as I can, get out. Get out. You are not to be taken advantage of and harmed. You are God's child that he created in his image. And he loves you very much. And let me tell you, the Bible is very clear about this much. Listen to Romans 12, 9. Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God. Now, he's not saying don't fight. He's just saying get out of there and let me do the work, right? Vengeance is mine for his, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay for their sin, says the Lord. I will repay. Vengeance is mine. Get out. Find safe people to be with and let things happen as they may, but that is not a place for you to be until a person comes to full repentance and 
and gets themselves right where they need to be, you need to stay away. And that's where separation is so important and, and where I really like how Paul says, be separated. Be separated. Allow that person to come to a healing. That might never happen, but you're giving God the ability to work in their life. And he will bring correction. He will bring the wrath and the purity that, that would be able to cleanse them and bring them to a right place of forgiveness. But you need to get out of there and stay safe. And so in our remaining time, I want to break this down for three specific groups of people. I realize that this was such a generic message that really focuses on God's intent for marriage. And it's hard to apply it to your personal life because I realize that for the people listening today, you are all over the place on your relationship to someone else. And for some of you today, you're never intending to get married. There are a lot of people in this world who fall into that category. They realize that marriage is not <laughs> easy. And they enjoy their personal time. And there is no intent to get married. I want to read to you verses 25 through 35 in 1 Corinthians 7. Because Paul talks about this. He says, now about virgins, or those who are not married. I have no command from the Lord, but I give you an opinion as one by the Lord. Because of the present distress, I think that it is good for a man to remain as he is, or a woman for that fact. Are you bound to wife? Do not seek to be released. Are you released for a wife? Do not seek a wife. However, if you do get married, you have not sinned. And a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But such people will have trouble in this life, and I am trying to spare you. Here's where it gets interesting. This is what I mean, brothers and sisters. The time is limited, so from now on, those who have wives should be as though they had none. Those who weep as though they did not weep. Those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice. Those who buy as though they didn't own anything. And those who use the world as though they did not make full use of it. For this world is current passing away. I want you to be without concern. The unmarried man is concerned about the things of the Lord. How he may please the Lord. But the married man is concerned about the things of the world. How he may please his wife. And his investments are divided. The unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the things of the Lord that, so that she may be holy both in body and spirit. But the married woman is concerned about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. I'm saying this for your own benefit, not to put restraint on you, but to promote what is proper so that you may be devoted to the Lord without distraction. So first of all, this is from Paul, right? It's kind of like he's given the old... This is what Moses gives for directive. Now, most of this is very basic, and we can say, yeah, without a doubt, this would be from God himself. But Paul wants to give that little piece of, of side note there, right? Now, the main point that I wanted to take from this passage, at least for right now, is the fact that Paul makes it very clear that for those who are intending to not marry, it is good for your connection with God. I encourage you to leverage your increased time with God. 
you have something that nobody else has. You have the freedom to please God and nobody else, right? So enjoy it. Make full use of it. You have more time than anybody else because you don't have to account for a kid or a spouse or anybody else. You have one to please, and it's Jesus himself. But for those intending to get married who are not yet, spend time prepping yourself. As Paul said in here, you have a limited time left where it's just you and God. Nobody else to please, right? So invest that time. Prepare yourself. Get healthy physically, emotionally, and mentally, and financially. The list can go on and on, right? Like, prepare yourself because whatever you bring into that unity will impact it. If you are unhealthy in these areas, your unity with that spouse that you will someday have will be unhealthy as well. Get yourself healthy. Now, there's not a perfect solution to getting perfectly healthy, but be intentional. This is the only time you will ever have where it's just you alone to get yourself where you need to be. Be prepared. Bring the best you into that unity because what is brought together is the base of where you can go. Prepare yourself. And then pray for the one who you will someday be united to. Pray for that person. Pray that God will be working on him or her. Pray that they would bring the best version of them. Right? Their physical, emotional, spiritual well-being. Pray that God would bring them to a place where they're truly humble before him. And then for those who are married, now, whether you've been married one year or 50 years, you are not the same person you were when you were married, however many years ago. Everybody who understands that is shaking their head right now. You are not the same person. You have changed. And the longer you've been together, the more you realize that you're not that same person anymore. Why? Because you've become one flesh. You've changed. Now, of course, everybody changes, whether they're married or not. But, but that person that you spent the last however many years with, they've, they've, they've continually united with you, grown closer together. So I encourage you to keep that strong. Keep uniting yourself. You know, what, what the Bible says is what God brings together, let no one separate. But we know one who wants to separate that. The enemy himself hates God and hates anything God is for or God has done. If God has brought you together and united you with your spouse, that enemy wants to destroy that. And so it is our responsibility to be intentional about becoming healthy in our physical relationship, our emotional relationship. In every aspect of our marriage, we need to be intentional about it if we want it to be healthy because the enemy is intentional about destroying it. And so put into it what you need to. Your marriage, let me tell you, can grow 
towards what God originally intended if we prioritize it. So will you prioritize your marriage? Whether you're single, whether you, will you prepare yourself for prioritizing your marriage, or if you are currently married, will you prioritize it? Will you press into it? I realize that this is a, a very deep message that hits everybody at different places. And my prayer for you is that we go back to what God's heart is for marriage. What his heart is for you. He wants the best for you. He wants a deep connection with you. And he wants you to have deep, whole, healthy connections with those who you've been brought together with. Whether through marriage or through work, school, wherever. He wants healthy relationships. That's his heart for you. He doesn't want anything to destroy what you value. Especially when it is what he values. So I want to pray for you today that God would continue to help you to understand what, where, where you are and where he wants to take you. And so Father, I pray for every person listening that they would understand your heart for them today. If they're married, God, I pray that they would understand that, that he so desires to be having you one that he is willing to do whatever it takes to, to fight with you, to help you, to, to draw you to that place where you need to be. And I pray that for every person listening, that they would, that they would humble themselves and, and ask themselves, is there an area in my life that I need to submit? Is there an area in my personal life that I need to get better so that I can make my marriage healthier? And for those maybe who aren't married, Father, I pray that they would look at themselves and say, man, what do I need to get healthy before I take that into marriage and have that as my foundation from where I can go. Whatever that foundation is establishes where we can go from there. And for those who aren't intending to get married, Father, I pray that they would, that they would spend this amazing time that they have of freedom to do whatever they want for you, that they would leverage that and make the most for your kingdom and for your glory in Jesus' name. Thank you, Nexus Church family, for joining us today. If you have any questions or thoughts or concerns or things we could pray for, if you would email nexuschurchmn at gmail.com, we would love to get back to you. Or you can Facebook us as well, message us, or leave a little comment below, and we would love to get connected with you. We'll see you again real soon.